Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Wednesday, May 20th, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's briefing includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Catherine Barger on Los Angeles County's Economic Resilience Task Force, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Thanks in advance for listening to the show. And as a reminder, be sure to subscribe to our show in your podcast app, and follow our department across all social media at LA Public Health. And now, Supervisor Barger. Thank you for joining us for today's COVID-19 briefing. I'm Supervisor Catherine Barger, Chair of the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. Yesterday, I had the privilege to chair the second convening of the Los Angeles County Economic Resilience Task Force. This group of leaders is comprised of experts who represent 13 key sectors that have been severely impacted by COVID-19, and all five members of our board were present. Among the sectors, there is representation from small business, infrastructure, education, entertainment, and arts and culture. Yesterday's meeting provided an opportunity for the sector leaders to share about impacts of COVID-19 on businesses and on employees. It was sobering. The restaurant industry reported that 80% of jobs have been lost. The entertainment industry indicated that 890,000 film and entertainment employees are not working, which trickles down to many of the small businesses that provide support for this industry. The Los Angeles Economic Development Corporation provided an overview of the jobless data through the entire region, reporting that more than 1 million unemployment claims have been filed in Los Angeles County to date. More than 75% of those projected job losses have have average annual earning of less than $50,000 per year. Anyone listening to yesterday's meeting heard loud and clear that employees and businesses are suffering. The economic impacts created by COVID-19 have hurt our most vulnerable populations the most. Prolonged closure means that many small businesses may not be able to reopen and will cause permanent job losses for millions throughout this county. I understand the urgency to reopen quickly, but we must do it safely and public health guidance has to be at the front of what we do to ensure the safety and well-being of our residents. Bringing these sector leaders together to help reopen the economy is crucial because it's not a one-size-fits-all approach and it isn't feasible for a county our size and our diversity to do it alone. The county's economy is powered by small businesses and encompasses many distinct sectors with their own needs and with their own challenges. Our task force leaders have committed to develop plans detailing how they can restart their industries and organizations while ensuring the safety of employees and of customers. They are submitting policies over the next six weeks to the county and Department of Public Health and aim to finalize plans by the end of June. Within this context, the goal and hope is to implement the full or staged reopening of retail, restaurants, and recreation by July 4th. As a reminder, the county has assembled multiple resources to support businesses, employees, and residents dealing with financial hardship created by this pandemic. You can visit covid19.lacounty.gov or lacountyhelpcenter.org for information on programs and services that are available to you.
I remain focused on working with our health officials, industry leaders, and community stakeholders toward a safe and stable recovery. Thank you all for your continued partnership and commitment toward our goals. With that, I turn it over to Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Department of Public Health for the Daily Update. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you so much, Supervisor Barger, and to the entire Board of Supervisors uh, for leading us through our recovery journey now in ways that acknowledge and, uh, and uh, pay attention to the health and safety of all of the residents of L.A. County. Uh, to update you today on our current status, I'm sad to report 57 additional people have died from COVID-19. 30 of the people who died were over the age of 65, and 24 of the people who were over the age of 65 passed away uh, with underlying health conditions. 12 people who died are between the ages of 41 and 65, and six of the people in this age group had underlying health conditions. Two of the people who died are between the ages of 18 and 40, and both had underlying health conditions. Information on the 10 deaths reported by the city of Long Beach and the three deaths reported by the city of Pasadena are available at longbeach.gov and cityofpasadena.net. And this does bring the total number of deaths in LA County to 1,970. Many, many people across this county have lost their loved ones to COVID-19. And for those of you who are experiencing this devastating loss, we share in your sorrow, and I hope you know that you remain in our prayers and our thoughts. For the 1,826 people who passed away where race and ethnicity data has been identified, 39% are Latinx or Latino, 29% are white, 18% are Asian, 12% are African American, 1% are Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, and 1% identified with other races or ethnicities. 92% of the people who have died from COVID-19 had underlying health conditions, and this number has not changed for the last few weeks. So again, as a reminder, if you do have an underlying health condition, uh, we ask that even, although, even though we're on our recovery journey, uh, it's especially important that you're able to stay at home where you're safer as much as possible. And we ask that all your friends and family and your employer continue to help you be able to stay at home uh, where you can be safe. Uh, today we're reporting 1,324 new cases. And I, as I mentioned yesterday, we generally do see more cases reported Tuesdays and Wednesdays because we're catching up uh, from the backlog uh, over the weekend. This does bring the total number of people who have tested positive for COVID-19 in LA County to 40,857. The 40,857 total cases we're reporting today include 1,362 total cases reported by the city of Long Beach and 704 total cases reported by the city of Pasadena, both of whom have independent health departments. We are also reporting uh, 314 confirmed cases among people experiencing homelessness. About half, 163 people, were sheltered and they are now appropriately isolated and their close contacts are quarantined. I am sad to report the additional death of, an ex of a person experiencing homelessness. The person who died had been sheltered, 
but this does bring the total number of deaths among people experiencing homelessness to seven people. To the family and friends of the person who passed away, we are deeply sorry for your loss. 5,966 people who have tested positive for COVID-19 have at some point during their illness been hospitalized. This is 15% of all of our positive cases. Today, there are currently 1,531 people who tested positive for COVID-19 and are hospitalized. 28% of the people are in the ICU and 19% of these patients are on, are on ventilators. And each day we continue to see a slight decrease in the number of people who are hospitalized. And this is good news. We have investigated a total of 436 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed or suspect case for COVID-19. Of these, 401 sites are currently being investigated and there are 35 sites where the investigations are now closed. These settings do include nursing homes, assisted living facilities, shelters, treatment centers, supportive living, correctional facilities, workplaces, food and retail, and educational settings. The total number of confirmed cases in institutional settings is 10,392, and this includes 6,776 people who are residents and 3,616 people who are staff. And I'm sad to report that now over 1,000 people, 1,033 people who are living in institutional settings have died from COVID-19, representing 52% of all of our deaths. The vast majority of the people who passed away did reside in skilled nursing facilities. And to the families and the friends of the people who lived at these facilities and passed away, we do wish you healing and peace. We're reporting uh, 659 confirmed cases at some point in the jail facilities, 515 among people who are incarcerated and 144 among staff. Today, the Sheriff's Office is reporting for their facilities 552 people who are incarcerated and have tested positive for COVID-19, 263 people who are incarcerated and have recovered, 337 people who are incarcerated and in isolation, and 5,145 people who are incarcerated and are quarantined. There are 176 cases in the state prison, 127 are among people who are incarcerated, and 49 are among staff. And there are 695 cases in the federal prison facilities, 681 among people who are incarcerated, and 14 among staff. The number of cases in our juvenile facilities remains the same as yesterday, 20 cases, eight among staff, and I mean eight among youth and 12 among staff. We do post information on confirmed cases on our website along with the dashboard and our recovery indicators uh, as well. You can find that at publichealth.lacounty.gov. The LA County Sheriff's Department is reporting 189 positive cases among their staff. 585 staff are currently quarantined and 1,061 staff have returned to work. The LA County Fire Department is reporting that 239 staff members have been tested for COVID-19. 23, 23 staff have tested positive, 
18 are isolated at home, 19 people have returned to work, and five are home sick. Thank you, Sheriff Villanueva and Chief Osby, for giving us this information every day. Over 379,000 COVID-19 test results for individuals have been reported to the LA County Department of Public Health, and 9% of the people who were tested were positive. And as a reminder, uh, thanks to the expansion uh, that's being headed up by Dr. Christina Galley, there are appointments that are available at the regional testing sites. There are many sites. You can find information about where a site is that's close to you and how to make an appointment if you go to covid19.lacounty.gov slash testing. I'm happy to share with you an update on the serology study we are conducting under the direction of our chief science officer, Dr. Simon, in partnership with the University of Southern California and the LRW group. And I want to thank Dr. Sood from the University of Southern California's Price School of Public Policy for joining us today. And we look forward to hearing from him in a moment about the latest study results. And just as a reminder, serology tests do not diagnose a person for a current infection of COVID-19, but they do detect if a person was ever exposed to the virus and developed antibodies in response to the infection. By conducting this testing with a random sample of LA County residents, we can better understand how many people may have been infected and how COVID-19 infections are distributed across the county. We did complete the second round of the survey. And remember, in the first round, we tested 863 LA County adults between April 10th and April 14th. The second round of the survey was done on May 8th, 9th, 11th, and 12th. It included testing 1,014 adults, 18 and older. A drive-through antibody testing was done for the first two days and limited in-home testing was done for the last two days. 2.1% of the adults who were tested were positive. This compares to 4.1% amongst the 863 adults tested in April. It's important to note that the difference between two, the two results could be due to random variation. However, there are some other factors that may have contributed to this lower prevalence number from the May survey when compared to the April survey. The two surveys did use different test site locations, and therefore they may have attracted a slightly different populations. The first survey was offered in English, while the second survey included Spanish and Mandarin. And efforts were made on the second round to make sure we had a higher number of Latinos, Asians, and African Americans. Um, there also is an issue, and I'll let Dr. Sue talk more about this, about having negative results uh, in this last round because the antibody levels may have waned amongst persons who had been infected early in the pandemic uh, prior to the safer at home order. But despite the limitations, the results suggest that there was not much spread of the virus in the general community population during the time between these two surveys. And I think this is likely due because so many of us did a great job staying at home, physically distancing, and wearing our cloth face coverings. Although the sample size is relatively small, we can share some of the estimates about who was more likely to have been infected in this sample. 
Like the last survey, men were more likely than women to have been infected, and the estimated prevalence was 2.8% among men and 1.4% among women. There was only slight differences in positivity rates by race and ethnicity. However, there were differences in positivity rates by income levels, where 2.8% of people with lower income levels and 1% of people with higher income levels who were tested were positive. There were also differences in positivity rates among age groups, with those between 18 and 54 having higher rates of positivity when compared to those people 55 and older. The data is preliminary. We're so grateful uh, to our colleagues at USC and to Dr. Simon uh, for continuing uh, this effort uh, into the future where we will sample additional residents over the county uh, during the next few months to better understand the prevalence of COVID-19 among our county residents. Uh, there, there are a couple of limitations uh, in this survey right now, um, and I just want to note them because it doesn't have a representation from some of our highest risk groups, like those living in congregate settings, including our skilled nursing facilities, our homeless shelters, and our jails, as well as uh, not included in this survey study were people experiencing homelessness who may be living uh, unsheltered on the streets. Um, the survey may also not have captured the experiences of those who live in extreme poverty. So plans are underway to do special studies for high-risk populations. Um, and the surveys also, I want to note, have not included children to date, but we are planning a subsequent survey to make sure we do include children. And I want to close by noting we're going to approach a holiday weekend, and I want to encourage everyone to take some time and celebrate safely. Many of our beautiful outdoor spaces are open, and we can enjoy them while we practice physical distancing and wear our cloth face coverings when we're around other people. We can enjoy our beaches for active recreation and being sure not to create crowded conditions that don't allow for physical distancing. And we can also enjoy our beautiful weather in our own neighborhoods and our backyards. I wanna remind folks that gatherings and events of any kind are not permitted. Uh, and the virus hasn't changed. Uh, it's still relatively easy to become infected, uh, particularly if you're not taking precautions. And unfortunately, there have been recent parties and gatherings that did result in a number of newly infected people. So please find ways to enjoy the holiday with people from your own household or with friends and family from afar using our technology tools. Being together from a distance is currently our new normal. And while this is temporary, for this Memorial Day, we'll still need to practice social distancing. And now it's my great pleasure to introduce Dr. Sood, the Vice Dean at USC. Good afternoon. I'm here to update you on the results of the LA County Public Health and USC serology studies. So as Dr. Ferrer mentioned, we did our first round of testing on April 9th and 10th, and we tested about 863 adults in Los Angeles County and found that 4.1% of them were antibody positive. Uh, this time around, we did our testing on May 9th and 10th through drive-through sites and some additional home testing on May 11th and 12th. We tested about 1,014 individuals or adults 
and found that 2.1% of them were uh, antibody positive. But there were differences in the way we conducted the study in wave two versus wave one. In wave two, we, con we translated our survey into Spanish and into Mandarin to increase representation of Hispanics and Asians in our sample. And indeed, we were successful in doing that. Uh, the demographic composition of our sample was also different. And as Dr. Ferrer mentioned, uh, we set up new testing sites. So it is possible that uh, the zip codes from which individuals were participating was also different. So all these differences in, in the composition of the sample could explain some of the differences in positivity rate that we found between wave one and wave two. Uh, second, some of the differences could also be due to statistical luck or noise. So for example, if you toss a coin 10 times, you don't always get five heads. Sometimes you might get one head and sometimes you might get all 10 as a head. So some of this random variation in outcomes could also explain differences uh, in testing positive between the two waves. And, and last, there could be many other explanations. So one explanation might be that the amount of antibodies, uh, especially of people who were infected early on, might be waning over time, and our test might not be able to detect these lower level of antibodies. But I want to emphasize that this is completely speculative at this time. We haven't fully investigated this issue, but this is something we will look at. So I, I just want to emphasize that this is right now just a potential explanation. It doesn't mean that we think this is a likely explanation. So what are our plans uh, for the future? One of the things we want to do is increase the number of people we are testing because a larger sample size would mean uh, more precision in our estimates. Uh, the second thing we are considering doing is enrolling a cohort which means we can follow the same individuals over time and test them repeatedly. This will get at the issue of reducing the variation in our sample, getting more precise estimates. It will also help us look at issues such as, do people who are antibody positive, how often they might get reinfected, what happens to their level of antibodies over time. And finally, as Dr. Ferrer said, uh, our survey underrepresented some communities. So we are making plans to do additional surveys in these communities, such as nursing home populations, low-income populations, uh, children, first responders. So we will be doing more of these studies uh, in the coming months. And in closing, what we find is between the two waves, there is no evidence of a big increase in incidence of COVID-19 which is good news, and this is what Dr. Ferrer emphasized, that this, this shows that we are controlling the new infections in our community. Uh, the second is the results still say, if you pool the results across the two waves, that about three to four percent, or you know, across the two waves, about three percent tested positive, which means we are still far away from herd immunity, and, and we need to be conscious of that. So thank you so much, and I'll now have Dr. Christina Galley. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dr. Christina Galley, the Director of the Department of Health Services for LA County. I want to provide a brief update today on the latest numbers from the DHS modeling effort that we're leading for the county, and I'll also talk a little bit about testing.
I know these are hard times and my heart continues to go out to those who have lost a loved one or someone in their community, as well as those who are affected by unemployment, as well as the challenges of work and children at home, as well as all the various ways in which our lives have changed as a result of this pandemic. As we continue to move and look toward recovery, let's start by looking at what the model shows this week and what the data are telling us. Turning to the slides, Last week, we showed you this slide for the first time on the effective transmission rate. It shows how the rate of transmission of COVID-19 has changed over time in Los Angeles County based on the number of new cases that we have seen every day since March. Timed with the introduction of the physical distancing requirements that were put into a place, the effective transmission number, what we call R, fell rapidly and stayed very close to one, meaning that for every person infected with the virus, it was passed on to approximately one additional person. This led to a gradual flattening in the number of new cases and a relatively stable demand for hospital resources and services across the county, rather than having experienced a sudden spike in the number of cases that would have put excessive strain on the hospital system. More recently, we have continued to see an increasing downturn in the daily number of new cases, and this is reflected in the model's current estimate of R being now under one. If R stays under one, then the epidemic in Los Angeles County is expected to decrease over time. That is a good thing for all of us. As we work to reopen the economy and get people back to work and back to living their lives, we need to work together to avoid having transmission again increase. This will require everyone doing their part to continue the same basic core public health measures that we've all become so familiar with physical distancing, hand washing, cleaning surfaces regularly, wearing facial coverings, self-monitoring for symptoms, and staying at home when you are ill. As safer at home eases, these measures will look different and they'll be played out in different ways, but they are still critically important. It is important to realize, though, that should transmission increase, the people who are infected today will not be ill enough to seek medical care for two to four weeks. By the time we notice an increase in cases, there will have been increased spread for a number of weeks, causing higher rates of infection and putting strain on our healthcare system and the workers who are so dedicated to it. Vigilance is still our most important weapon, and it is the steps that you've heard us describe again and again of those basic core public health measures that will make all the difference. These very simple practices are what allows all of us the chance to stay healthy, get back to work, and restore the normalcy of our lives. On the next slide, you'll see the overall volume of hospital-based care for patients with COVID-19 continues to be relatively stable, even trending slightly down over the past couple of weeks. Within the model uncertainty, though, this is still consistent with the prior predictions. Based on the information that we have available today, the number of hospital beds that are available within the county, the number of ICU beds, and the number of ventilators continues to be adequate to meet the needs of those patients with COVID-19, as well as those who require hospital care without COVID-19. However, if there is an increase in transmission, we would see new cases start to increase above what is currently considered the most likely predicted path, even perhaps into that pink shaded area. However, please remember that there would be a delay before we would see this on the order of the two to four weeks that I mentioned earlier. 
On the next slide, we've changed this a little bit since you saw it last a couple of weeks ago, and we're now using the model to predict what percentage of all persons across the county will have become infected with COVID-19 by the end of the year, by the end of 2020. This slide originally showed where we would be with the total number of people infected by August 1st. But now, because R has uh, started to decline, we wanted to be able to show what the impact would be of cases over a longer period of time through the fall and into the winter. We consider three future possibilities, namely that R stays the same as what it is, which is slightly below one, that R increases 50% as the economy starts to reopen, or that R increases all the way back to what it was at the beginning of the epidemic in March, something that we do not see happening. If we can open up the economy without having an increase in transmission, then we expect about 8% of everyone in Los Angeles County will be infected by December. If R increases 50%, that number would go up to 44%. And if we were to go back to what R was at the beginning of this, about 96% of LA County residents would be infected by December 2020. I now want to shift to talk a little bit about testing. One of the goals of testing is to ensure geographic access for those who need a test. We are establishing our county's community-based testing access with several factors in mind. This includes a focus on the metrics that the governor has established for measuring and monitoring testing moving forward. This includes making sure that there are multiple geographic access points for community-based testing that testing protects vulnerable communities, including communities of color, that testing meets minimum volumes that have been set forth by the state as well as other entities, with a focus on individuals who are symptomatic as well as targeted surveillance among at-risk groups, such as those who live in congregate care settings. As a point of clarification, there is no public health recommendation from the CDC, the state, or the LA County Department of Public Health that individuals need to be tested as a criteria for returning to work. Rather, workplaces and their staff should follow established public health guidance, masking, hygiene, self-monitoring and isolation when someone has symptoms, and physical distancing to maintain and prevent transmission of the virus. In line with these goals, we are proud to have launched nine new walk-in state-sponsored and state-operated geographically dispersed community-based testing sites. We're very grateful to the state for their partnership and their continued collaboration moving forward as we seek to meet the goals for testing across the county. Site selection took into account areas that had poor testing access, as well as those that had high rates of certain racial and ethnic minorities that we have seen again and again across the country are particularly susceptible to serious outcomes from COVID-19. Over the past weeks, DHS has also been working to set the foundation for adding additional capacity at healthcare clinics across the county. These are established healthcare clinics, including the community clinics operated within the FQHC and FQHC Lookalite Network, as well as DHS-operated county clinics that are all dedicated to serving their local communities regardless of an individual's ability to pay or their insurance status. Some community clinics were very early partners with the county in our testing efforts, and we're grateful for them stepping up and stepping forward in the early days of the pandemic to offer their staff and their sites to support early access to testing. 
We're also grateful to newer community partners who have come forward with an interest in ramping up testing from this point on for the general public. And we're grateful also for the federal funds that have, been made, that have made these expansions possible. You'll start to see and hear more about these sites, such as St. John's Well Child Clinics in South Los Angeles, that have started to populate on the testing maps posted on the county website. While these sites maintain their own registration process just as they do for any non-COVID-related healthcare need, these partners are critical to our testing approach going forward. The best model for sustainable, patient-centered, high-quality testing is for it to take place within the structure of the established healthcare system where patients can discuss with their provider their individual situation and their need for testing as well as the results of that test where electronic healthcare records are already implemented and care teams are established to help manage an individual's patient an individual patient's care where individuals with positive test results can be followed clinically in a way that is suited to their specific clinical history and health conditions and where the reimbursement mechanisms exist to bill insurance companies for the tests that they are obligated by law to pay for. When I refer to a site as a community-based testing site, I mean that it's a site that's open to the general public. This is different than the county's focused testing strategy among certain vulnerable populations and those in institutional settings. For these high-risk populations that are disproportionately affected by COVID, DHS is taking a tailored testing approach in partnership with the Department of Public Health to ensure that all of these individuals' needs are met. I will talk about just one of these groups today and then we'll shift focus to some of the other groups moving forward in future weeks. But today, I will focus on the jail. Among DHS's many roles, we have two primary roles related to caring for individuals who are incarcerated within the LA County jail system. First, our Correctional Health Services team provides clinical care and services to individuals who are incarcerated, and our Office of Diversion and Reentry operates programs aimed at diverting certainly medical frag medically fragile and vulnerable ind individuals into community-based treatment models. Both units, which work very closely together, have been active throughout the COVID pandemic. In February 20. 20, when this was all starting and we were starting to see this play out outside of the United States, CHS was aware of the unique challenges of trying to control a communicable disease within a correctional environment and took initial steps for preventing transmission of COVID. In its February plan, the CHS, as well as in partnership with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, implemented revised infection control measures to prevent COVID-19 from entering the jail. This plan was revised in March with additional screening criteria, source control, sanitation measures to prevent transmission. This including tested and quarantine of all individuals who prevent, presented with symptoms upon intake as well as those who are already incarcerated. CHS worked closely also with the Office of Diversion and Reentry as well as other justice partners across the county and with the court system to be able to identify individuals who were suitable for release into the community and connect them with those appropriate placements. These teams working together were effective in delaying the first case of COVID in the jails, but like many other correctional facilities in the United States, a number of individuals have since been diagnosed with COVID. CHS, Correctional Health Services, and the Sheriff's Department continue to work very closely together on a daily basis and have implemented a robust testing strategy as we continue to do everything we can to prevent transmission in the jails. 
whereas comprehensive testing among asymptomatic populations is not necessary among the general community. It is a core public health strategy for individuals in congregate care settings and institutions, such as skilled nursing facilities, homeless shelters, and the jail. Because of this, for the last several weeks, testing has been offered to all individuals at the inmate reception centers, which are, serve as the point of entry for new arrestees in the county jail system. Inmates are transitioned to their housing unit only after test results are received. Individuals who refuse testing are placed in quarantine as under the guidance of the Department of Public Health. Individuals who were incarcerated prior to the initiation of comprehensive intake testing are also being offered testing in a phased rollout. Management of quarantine and isolation is done under the guidance of infection prevention and control individuals from the Department of Health Services as well as the Department of Public Health. This expansion in mass testing in the jail is the reason why you see the steady increase in the jail positive case rate. Please know that the vast majority of those cases are among asymptomatic individuals and are the result of this screening methodology. Over the coming weeks, we'll talk a lot more about testing as we move further into recovery. In closing, thank you for your continued efforts in being part of the solution for our county, a solution that brings the hope of health and economic vibrancy for all of us. With that, I'll turn it over to Stacy for questions. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. If you wish to ask a question, please press 1, then 0 on your touchstone keypad. You may withdraw your question at any time by repeating the 1-0 command. We ask that you limit yourself to one question. So once again, if you have a question, please press 1, then 0 at this time. And we'll go to Claudia Pushudia with KNX Radio. Please go ahead. Thank you. Um, my question is for Supervisor Barger. Um, how did you guys land on the July 4th target date? And did you get public health officials to sign off on that date? And if you could please start with a yes or no on that question before moving on to the rest of the answer. Thanks. So I can't, I, I have to answer the first part in order to answer the second part. And the first part, uh, the July 4th date was directly in response to the resiliency task force guy, uh, uh, timeline that was provided. Um, which showed that they would have all the reports from all the sectors back by June 30th. And with a sense of urgency based on what I heard yesterday, I made the comment that if those reports are submitted by June 30th, um, that we would have a goal if the state um, lifts the restrictions to have everything in place by July 4th. Um, the reason why I had to answer that first is on the second, anything coming out of those sectors is going to be done in conjunction with the Department of Public Health. So Department of Public Health will be part of the process as we move forward uh, toward the June 30th date. And many of those sectors, understand, are going to have their reports before June 30th. And if possible, if the state lifts any of the restrictions, my goal is to push forward um, those recommendations as quickly as possible. So the, June 4th, or the July 4th date was um, based on the Resiliency Task Force and the reports coming in on June 30th. Thank you. Next question. And we'll go to Lee Ross with Fox News. Please go ahead. All right. Uh, thank you, and thank you for the update on the second round of the serology test. Um, I, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but it is a physical impossibility for there to be fewer people having had been infected with COVID-19 since the outbreak. Am I right on that? Uh, I'll get from, from the month previous. I will get Dr. Simon to answer that question. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you. 
Thank you for that question. Um, so right, um, we don't imagine that the number of infected persons have decreased over time. But as was mentioned by Dr. Sood, there is a possibility that people who are infected very early in the pandemic may have uh, reduced levels of antibody and as a result might not have been detected by our test. That's purely speculation at this point. The other factor I think that needs to be considered though is that again, our, as Dr. Sood mentioned, our samples were recruited uh, in slightly different ways. We had different locations of testing sites, expanded the survey to include Mandarin and Spanish speakers. And so it could be that there were subtle differences between the two samples that led to those results. So the important thing I think is though to, uh, to conclude that uh, we're not seeing a rapid rise in antibody prevalence. Uh, based on these two surveys, it, it, we feel that it's very likely that in the general community population, the prevalence is below 5%. But again, as was pointed out, our survey uh, is not capturing some of the very high risk groups that we hope to capture in future surveys. Thank you. So we have time for one more question. And we'll go to David Rosenfeld with LA Daily News. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you very much for taking my question. Um, I wanted to see if you could reflect on, um, uh, you know, with, with so much uh, economic uh, turmoil and so many businesses that are going out of business now, um, you know, a lot of people feel like they're being forced to decide what, uh, between public health and their business remaining. And I wonder, how do you respond to those folks? Because I don't know that that was really what they were being asked to do. Uh, be it protecting health or go out of business. Um, is, do you think that's a fair characterization? And uh, how would you respond to those folks that are feeling that way? And well, also, real quick, in regards to the July, the, if I might, the July 4th date, um, are, is, that a, is that a complete phasing? Or would there still be a, a final phase that would need to take place? Because it, it's been very confusing in recent days. You know, you said three months, not, maybe less than a week ago. Um, so it, it just seems that the messages is very, messaging is very um, it's changing quite, quite often. Um, I wonder if you can clarify just a little bit more about after July 4th. So, so understand on the first question, um, when we first pr uh, put into place Safer at Home, there was a lot that we didn't know about COVID-19, and we've learned a lot since then, and that's why um, in the beginning we weren't requiring face masks, but then that was put into play. Um, so the goal was not to kill business. The goal, was, the goal was to slow the infection rate. And as we've been able to lift the restrictions, we are doing that. And the goal is to do it in a safe and responsible manner. Um, as it relates to the July 4th date, again, um, this is based on our sectors and what they are telling us in terms of need. And, and small businesses have been disproportionately impacted. And many of them are not sure whether they're going to come out of this and be able to um, reopen. So it's a sense of urgency on my part uh, to move as quickly as possible with the sector recommendations, understanding that public health is going to drive that discussion and provide the parameters as to how each sector is going to be able to open. But for me, and what I heard yesterday by our sector leaders, especially in industries such as restaurants, time is of the essence, but it has to be done responsibly. And we also have to recognize that the state ultimately has to provide the overarching authority and, and allow us the ability um, to reopen certain sectors that right now um, are not on the list. And so my goal is 
to do it with a sense of urgency, recognizing that public health has to come first. Um, so with that, you know, I, I think it's, it's been a very difficult call, um, but when you hear Dr. Galley talk about the fact that we flattened the curve and that we've, been ma we've maintained um, a bit of stability and also in our hospital census, it tells me that we did it. Um, I know everyone remembers New York City, and that's the last thing we wanted to happen in L.A. County. And I do believe because the community came together, um, we were able to prevent that. But now it is time to begin to move from safer at home to safer at work and safer in our communities. And I believe that the sector um, uh, leaders that are bringing forward their recommendations will be able to do that, if not um, by July 4th, before July 4th, working with the state. So with that, we are now going to do our comments in Spanish. Thank you. Buenas tardes. Para actualizarlos, nos da tristeza informar que 57 personas adicionales han fallecido por causas de COVID-19. Esto eleva el número total de fallecimientos a 1,970 en el condado de Los Ángeles. Para las 1,826 personas que fallecieron donde se identificó la raza e etnicidad, el 39% son latinas el 29% son blancas, el 18% son asiáticas, el 12% son afroamericanas, el 1% son nativas de Hawái o de las islas del Pacífico y el 1% se identifican con otra raza de etnicidad. 92% de las personas que murieron por COVID-19 tenían condiciones de salud delicadas y este número no ha cambiado en las últimas semanas. Hoy también estamos reportando 1,324 casos nuevos. Eh, como mencionamos ayer, eh, típicamente vemos más casos nuevos reportados los martes y el miércoles porque estamos recuperando el retraso del fin de semana. Esto eleva el número total de personas que dieron positivo por COVID-19 uh, en Los Ángeles a 40,857. Estamos reportando 314 casos confirmados entre personas sin hogar. Uh, 163 personas que estaban en albergues fueron apropiadamente aisladas y los contactos cercanos fueron puestos en cuarentena. Nos da tristeza reportar un fallecimiento adicional en una persona sin hogar. Uh, esto eleva el número total de siete fallecimientos en, en esta población. 5,966 personas que dieron positivo fueron en algún momento hospitalizadas, el 15% de todos los casos positivos. Actualmente hay 1,531 personas que han resultado positivas para COVID-19 que están hospitalizadas. El 28% de estas personas están en la unidad de cuidados intensivos. Y el 19% de estas personas están en ventiladores. A cada día seguimos viendo reducciones en el número de perso personas hospitalizadas. Hemos investigado un total de 40, perdón, 436 entornos de congregación residencial y no residenciales con al menos un caso confirmado o sospechoso. Eh, de estos, 401 eh, están siendo investigados actualmente y 35 son investigaciones cerradas. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 10,392, incluidos tanto el personal como los residentes. 
6,776 de estas personas son residentes y 3,616 de estas personas son personal. Nos da tristeza informar que 1,033 personas que vivían en entornos institucionales han muerto por COVID-19, lo que representa el 52% de todas las muertes. La gran mayoría de estas personas residía en centros de enfermería especializada. También estamos reportando 659 casos confirmados en algún momento en las cárceles, 515 entre personas encarceladas y 144 entre empleados. La oficina del Aguacil informa que entre personas, perdón, que entre perso personas encarceladas, um, 252 han dado positivo por COVID-19, 263 uh, se han recuperado. 337 están en aislamiento y 5,145 están en cuarentena. Hay 176 casos en la prisión estatal y 695 casos en prisiones federales. Y hay 20 casos en las instalaciones juveniles. Publicamos todos los casos en el sitio web del Departamento de Salud Pública. El Departamento del Aguacil también reporta que entre su personal hay 189 casos positivos, 585 uh, en cuarentena y 1,061 empleados han regresado al trabajo. El Departamento de Bomberos informa que entre su personal, 239 han sido evaluados para COVID-19, 23 han dado resultados positivos, 18 están aislados en casa, 19 han regresado al trabajo y 5 están enfermos en casa. Más de 379 mil uh, resultados de la prueba de COVID-19 uh, han sido reportados al Departamento de Salud Pública y el 9% de las personas evaluadas fueron positivas. Hay citas disponibles en los sitios regionales y puede hacer una cita en el website covid19.lacounty.gov-testing. Me complace compartir información sobre el estudio de serología que estamos realizando en colaboración con la Universidad del Sur de California y el grupo LRW. Como recordatorio, las pruebas de serología no diagnostican a una persona para una infección actual de COVID-19, pero sí detectan si alguna persona estuvo expuesta al virus uh, y desarrolló anticuerpos en respuesta a la infección. Al realizar esta prueba uh, con una muestra de residentes seleccionados al azar, podemos comprender mejor cuántas personas pueden haber sido infectadas y cómo se propaga COVID-19 en nuestro condado. Hemos completado nuestra segunda ronda de la encuesta y para la primera ronda hicimos la prueba en 863 adultos del condado de Los Ángeles entre el 10 y el 14 de abril. La segunda ronda de esta encuesta se realizó los días 8, 9, 11 y 12 de mayo. Hicimos la prueba en 1,014 adultos mayores de 18 años. La prueba de detección de anticuerpos se realizó los primeros dos días y las pruebas limitadas en el hogar se realizaron los últimos dos días. 2% de los adultos dieron positivo. 
Eso se compara con el 4% entre eh, los 863 uh, adultos evaluados en abril. Es importante tener en cuenta que la diferencia entre los dos resultados podría deberse a una variación al azar. Sin embargo, eh, otros factores también pueden haber contribuido a este número más pequeño de prevalencia de la encuesta de mayo. Las dos encuestas utilizaron diferentes ubicaciones de sitios de prueba, por lo tanto, pueden haber atraído a diferentes poblaciones. La primera encuesta solo se ofreció en inglés, mientras que la segunda encuesta también incluyó a español y a mandarín. Se hicieron esfuerzos para reclutar a un mayor número de latinos, asiáticos y afroamericanos en la segunda encuesta. La segunda encuesta podría haber tenido más resultados negativos falsos si los niveles de anticuerpos disminuyeron entre las personas que habían sido infectadas temprano en la pandemia, antes de la orden más segurosa en casa. A pesar de estas limitaciones, los resultados sugieren que no hubo mucha propagación del virus en la comunidad en general durante el tiempo entre las dos encuestas. Y esto probablemente se debe a que muchos de nosotros estamos haciendo un buen trabajo al quedarnos en casa, distanciarnos físicamente y al usar cubiertas de tela para la cara. Aunque el tamaño de la muestra es relativamente pequeña, podemos compartir algunas estimaciones sobre quién tenía más probabilidades de haber sido infectado en nuestra muestra. Al igual que en la última encuesta, los hombres tenían más probabilidades que las mujeres de haberse infectado. La prevalencia estimada era del 2.8% entre los hombres y del 1.4% entre las mujeres. Solo hubieron ligeras diferencias en las tasas de positividad por raza y etnicidad. Sin embargo, hubieron diferencias en las tasas de positividad según los niveles de, de ingresos, uh, donde el 2.8% de las personas con un nivel de ingresos más bajo y el 1% de las personas con un nivel de ingresos más altos que fueron evaluados fueron positivos. También hubieron diferencias en las tasas de positividad entre los grupos de edad. Los que tenían entre 18 y 54 años tenían tasas de positividad más altas a comparación con las de 55 años o más. Estos datos son preliminares y seguiremos tomando muestras de los residentes en todo el condado durante los próximos meses uh, para comprender mejor la prevalencia de COVID-19 en nuestro condado. Hay un par de limitaciones de la encuesta que no incluye la representación de algunos de los grupos de mayor riesgo, como los que viven en entornos congregados, como centros de enfermería especializada, refugios y cárceles para personas sin hogar. Y um, es posible que la encuesta tampoco haya representado adecuada, ad, adecuadamente a quienes viven en po la pobreza extrema. Hay planes en marcha para hacer estudios especiales de estas poblaciones de alto riesgo. Las encuestas hasta la fecha tampoco han incluido niños y estamos planeando una encuesta que va a incluirlos en el futuro. A medida que nos acercamos al fin de semana festivo, eh, queremos alentarlos a celebrar con seguridad. 
muchos de nuestros hermosos espacios al aire libre eh, están abiertos y podemos disfrutarlos mientras practicamos el distanciamiento físico y usamos nuestras cubiertas de tela para la cara. Podemos disfrutar de nuestras playas para, reac uh, para reacción um, activa, asegurarnos de que no, de no crear condiciones de aglomeración que no permiten el distanciamiento físico. También podemos disfrutar de nuestro hermoso clima en nuestros propios vecindarios y patios. Las reuniones y eventos de cualquier tipo todavía no son, no son permitidos. Entonces, pasemos un buen tiempo con personas de nuestro hogar o con amigos y familiares de lejos utilizando las herramientas tecnológicas. Uh, muchas gracias. And now we'll move on to remarks in, oh, now we'll have one more question. And we'll go to Sylvia Alvarez with Univision Los Angeles. Please go ahead. Sí, hola, hola, buenas tardes. Esta pregunta es para la doctora Ferrer o alguna, alguna identidad que nos pueda responder. Um, hemos recibido muchas uh, llamadas de personas. Um, muchas personas han puesto en contacto en uh, nuestra sala de reacción preocupados sobre la posibilidad de abrir negocios y restaurantes demasiado pronto, Ajá. ya que muchos negocios están preparándose para abrir. Sí. Um, ¿Qué mensaje tiene el condado para ellos? ¿Existe un plan para controla, controlar realmente los requisitos, como las máscaras, tomando te, temperatura, etcétera? Sí. Um, ya como hay muchos lugares que ya están abiertos, ¿cuál, cuál es el mensaje? Uh -huh. Pues muchas gracias. Y sí, entendemos que, que los clientes, igual que los empleados, están uh, preocupados por su seguridad. Uh, cada negocio... Antes de poder reabrir, necesita uh, asegurarse de que puedan cumplir con ciertas directivas. Um, todas esas directivas y protocolos están en el sitio web del Departamento de Salud Pública. Y, y lo, lo bueno es que los negocios deben de poner una, una copia de ese protocolo en su negocio. Así que si alguien de veras está interesado en qué, qué medidas está tomando el negocio para asegurarse de que todos estén seguros mientras están ahí, pueden... Um, pueden ver ese, ese um, anuncio que tienen adentro del, del negocio. Um, y, y sí, tiene, incluye cosas como utilizar um, las cubiertas de tela de cara, el distanciamiento físico, igual que rótulos, uh, tener baños abiertos, tener manera de que las personas se puedan lavar las manos. Uh, todo eso está ahí y se puede, lo puede ver hasta el miembro del, los miembros del público. Así que les, les surgimos que, que vayan al sitio web del Departamento de Salud Pública y ahí pueden encontrar más información. Okay, so now we'll move on to remarks um, in Spanish, but, excuse me, in Armenian by Nona Auganisian. Barior Bolorin. Shnorakalem vera huskich marmineri vokch horurtin. Nerka iravichaki vera berial, the recutsuner hetavialnen. I saw Tsavov Haitnumen gave us its yot mahvan masin. I smart cansit yerasune, vatsun hinkt arikanits bartsren, voronsitsk sanchorse unetselen urektor arochakan hantisner. Tasirku anzitarike, karasun mekits vatsun hingne, ye vetsu unetselen urektor arochakan hantisner. Sa berume and hanur maheri tiva, hazar inahar yothanasuni, Los Angeles Surjanum. Mahatsats, hazar utharuk samvets martkans, rasa etnikakan patkanelutsuna hetevialne. Yerasun inna tokos Latino Latinex, Xan inna tokos Spitak, Tasna ut tokos Asiakan, 
Ավրոամերիկացիներ, Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 1324 նոր դեպքեր։ Եվ սա բերում է Լոս Անջելես շրջանի դրական դեպքերի ընդհանուր թիվը 40857-ի։ Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Լոնգ Բիչ քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից գրանցված 1362 դեպքեր, իսկ Փազդենա քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 704 դեպքեր, որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահական բաժանմունքներ։ Մենք հայտնում ենք 314 հաստատված դեպք անոթևան ապրող մարդկանց շրջանում։ Ապաստան գտած 163 անձինք պատշաճ կերպով մեկուսացված են և սերտ կապերը կարանդինացված են։ Անոթևան ապրող մարդկանց Հոսպիտալացմանտվյալները։ 436 ինստիտությոնալ բնակության հաստատություններում։ Դրանց թվում են ձերանոցներ, ապաստաններ, բուժման կենտրոններ, ոժանդակվող բնակելի հաստատություններ և գրյակ ատարողական հիմնարկներ։ Ինստիտությոնալ միջավայրում Այս դեպքերից բնակիչները կազում են 6776, իսկ անձնակազմը կազում է 3616։ Մենք զեկուցում ենք, որ հաստատված 659 դեպքեր արձանագրվել են գրյակ կատարողական հիմնարկներում, 515 դատապարծալ և 144 աշխատող։ 252 բանտարկյալներ տեստավորվել են դրական, 337-ը մեկուսացված են, 263-ը առողջացել են, 5145-ը կարանդինում են, 176 դեպք նահանգային բանտերում, 127 բանտարկյալ և 49-ը աշխատակազմ, և 695 դեպք վեդերալ բանտերում, 695 մեկ բանտարկյալ և տաշչորս աշխատակազմ։ Կսան աշխատակազմի դեպք անչապահասների հաստատություններում։ Մենք տեղադրում ենք հաստատված դեպքերի և մահվանդիվը մեր կայքում աշխատողներին, բնակիչներին Շերիվի և հրշեջ վարջությունների աշխատակիցների տվյալները։ լոս անջելոր շրջանի շերիվի վարջությունը զեկուցում է։ 189 դրական դեպք անձնակազմի մեջ, 585 կարանդինի մեջ են, 1061-ը վերադարձել են աշխատանքի։ 
Los Angeles Janne Hersey Barchutuna, Ait Nume, Xangirik, Drakan Depker, Anznakazmi Mech, Tasna Uta Mekusat Fatsantana, Tasna Inna Vera Darcel and Ashatanki. Avelikan, Yerekar, Yotanazun Inna, Hazar, Martes Tavor Velen, Yev Archunkner, Zekutsel and Los Angeles Shurjan, Voritz Inna Tokos Drakanen. Yes, Uzumem Kajaleral Zes, the Stavorvel, Yeteunek Achtanishner, Tarashur Janain, the Stavorman Vairum, Jamadruchan Hamar, Karohe Kaitzelel, Covid nineteen dot, LA County dot, Gov slash testing. Serologiakan, Usumna Sirutian, Norutuner. Urahem I saw the set kissel, Serologiakan, Usumna Sirutian, Vera Berial, Norutuner. Vurumen Kirakanatsnumen, Harafain, California, Hamasani, Yev, LRW Groupi Het Hamatech. Yes, Uzumem Shnurakalchun Haitnel Harafain, California Hamasani, Hasarakakan Kakachan, the Protsi Doctor Neraj Sudin, Aisur Aistakat Navelu Hamar. He said, Sum, Seriologiakan tested a chen Achtoroshum Anzi Covid Tasnini Nerkais Varaki Pachara. Bites Nerank Haitna Berumen Archok Marta Yerpevegen Tarkvele Verusin. Yev Hakamar Minere Mushakel Ipatas Han Varaki. Ice Port Sarkuma, Anskasnelov, Los Angeles, Shurjani Bnakishneri, Patahakan Namushov, Menk Karohank Avilav Haskanal, Tekhanimart Karohe Varakvel, Yev Inchpese, Covid Tasnin, Bashum, Mer Marzum. Menk Avartetink Hetazotuchun, Mer Yekrot Pula. Arachim Puli Hamar, Menk Portetink, Los Angeles, Shurjani, Utar Vatsun Yerek, Meta Hasak Nerin, Aprili Tasit, Tasna Chorsa, Ankat, Jamanaka Hat Vatsum. Yekrot Pula Katar Vele, Maisi Utin, Innin, Tasna Megin, Yev Tasir Kusin. Ein Nerarume Tasnutit, Avel Tarekan, Hazar Tasna Chors, Martu Testavorum. Hakamarmineri Portsarkman Tester and Irakanatsvel, Arachin Yerko Oredin, Yev Sahmanapak Tan Tester and Irakanatsvel, Verchi Yerko Oredin. Meta Hasakleri, Yerko Ambot, Mektokos, Drakana Portsarkvel, Hamemat, Chorsum Mek Tokos, Aprilin, Portsarkvats, Uthar Vatsun Yerek, Meta Hasakneri. Karevur in a shell, Vor Yerku, Archunkneri Michev, Yeras Darberutsuna, Vichagrakakan, Armov, Nishanakeli Cher, Yev Karore, Paiman Arvatslini, Patahakan, Tatanum Nerov. I know I'm a naive. My son, Hetazotunerits, Karoren, Napastel, Naev, Eingorton Nere, Vorunk Napastelen, Eistatzer, Taratvatuchan Tavin. Yerku հետազոտությունները օգտագործել են տարբեր տեղանքի փորձակման վայրեր, ուստի կարող են գրավել տարբեր բնակչություն։ Առաջին հետազոտությունը առաջարկվել է միայն անգլերեն լեզվով, իսկ երկրորդ հետազոտության մեջ ներառվել են նաև իսպաներեն եւ մանդարին։ Երկրորդ հետազոտության ընթացքում ջանքերը գործադրվել ավելի մեծ թվով լատիներեն, ասիացիներեն եւ աֆրիկացի ամերիկացիներեն ներգրելու համար։ Երկրորդ հետազոտությունը կարող էր ավելի կեղծ բացասական արդյունքներ ունենալ, եթե հակամարմինների մակարդակը նվազում էր հաճախակի վաղ վարակված անձանց մոտ նախքան տան ավելի անվտանգ կարգի պայմանը հրամանը։ Չնայած նշված սահմանափակումների արդյունքները ցույց են տալիս, որ երկու հետազոտությունների միջև ընկած ժամանակահատվածում ընդհանուր համայքի բնակչության շրջանում վիրուսի մեծ տարածում չի եղել։ 
Եվ դա ամենայն հավանականության պայմանավորված է այն բանիշնորիվ, որ մեզանից շատերը շատ լավ են իրականացնում, տանը մնալը, վիզիկական հերավորություն պահպանելը և դեմքի ծածկոցներ Վերջին հետազոտությունը ընգծեց վարակվածությունը տղամարդկանց մոտ երկու ամբողջ ուտ տոքոս է, իսկ անանց մոտ մեկ ամբողջ չորս։ Դրական մակարդակների միայն փոքր տարբերություն են եղել աստրասայի Կան նաև դրական մակարդակի տարբերություններ տարիքային խմբերի մեջ։ Տասնութից 54 տարիկանները 55-ից բարցր տարիքի համմատությամբ ունեն դրական բարցր ծությանիշներ։ Այս տվյալները նախնական են և մենք այս ռիսկային բնակչության հատուկ ուսումնասիրության ուղությամբ։ Միջև այժմ անցկացված հարցումները չեն ներարել նաև երեխաներին։ Եվ մենք նախատեսնում ենք հետագա հետազոտությունը, որը կներարի երեխաներին։ Մեր գեղեցիկ բացության տարացքներից շատերը բաց են։ Եվ մենք կարող ենք վայելել դրանք, երբ մենք վիզիկական հերավորություն ենք պահպանում և դեմքի ծացքոսներ ենք գրում։ Մենք կարող ենք վայելել մեր լողապնե ծանկացած տեսակի հավակույթներ և իրադարձություններ դերևս թուլատրված չեն։ Ինչպես ես նշեցի վիրուսը չի պոխվել, վարակվել նարայժմ համատաբար հեշտ է, մենք վերջերս տեսանք երեկույթների և Հերվից միասին լինելը ներկայումս մեր նոր նորմալն է, բայց ժամանակավոր է։ Հիշատակի որվա համար մենք դեր պետք է վիզիկական հերավորություն գործադրենք։ Շնորակալություն։ Thank you. This concludes the press conference. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.